The Western Ag Live Voices podcast is being sponsored by the good people at the Wilcox Livestock Auction. Wilcox Livestock Auction is the longest-running livestock auction in Arizona, focusing on legacy and longevity and serving our ranchers, selling the best quality cattle in southern Arizona and western New Mexico. All right, welcome to Western Ag Voices. This is a production of Western Ag Media and Western Ag Life Magazine. My name is Dean Fish, and I'm your co-host along with Mr. Paul Ramirez. We'd like to bring you some stories about some of the personalities and some of the characters of the Western um, Ag Life that we think make up some of the important fabric of agriculture in Arizona, New Mexico, and West Texas. We think that you'll enjoy these stories. I think that there's a lot of knowledge in these stories, and there may even be a little bit of truth in some of the stories as we go through here. So I'm sitting here today with Mr. Ron Fish, and if you notice, he shares my last name, and so I'm really proud to be his son. I'm not sure that he claims me as. <laughs> anyway, glad to, glad to be here with Mr. Fish. Well, um, I'll refer to him as Ron just for the ease of the interview today, um, but you know, for full disclosure, he is my dad. Um, he came here to Santa Cruz County in 1978 as, as uh, ranch manager at the Santa Fe Ranch. Um, Ron has had a lifetime of involvement in the beef industry in Arizona and, and um, has been recognized as Range Manager of the Year by the Society for Range Management, the Arizona section. He's been recognized as the Arizona Cattleman of the Year by the Arizona Hereford Association. He served on many conservation boards, um, including the Conservation District, um, and as well as governors. He's been appointed by the governor to the Groundwater Users Advisory Council, has been part of the local school board for several years. So anyway, a lifetime of service and dedication, not only to the cattle industry, but to his community as well. And so anyway, has a pretty interesting tale, I think, that um, we'll hopefully get into today. I think it's an inspirational tale of someone who's got a tremendous amount of passion and work ethic and has, and has used those two things to overcome a lot of potential obstacles um, in his life to be where he's at and to be part of the cattle industry. So I think, is that a fair introduction, Dad? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with everything there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Good. So I guess guess starting out, um, tell me a little bit about where you were born and how you got to Arizona. Okay, well, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I hope my brain is still sharp enough that I can remember most of this stuff. I'll tell you, it's kind of, before I start, though, I want to give uh, uh, credit where credit deserves and I would never have gotten any place where I'm at now if it hadn't been for my wife and your mother, Lupi, Lupita, we call her. She's been behind me all the way, either urging me on or beating me one or the other, all the way, all these 52 years, 53 years we've been married. So without her, it would have been pretty difficult to accomplish what we've accomplished. But anyway, uh, my my origin originated in Ohio, uh, my born in Ohio, and uh, my mom and dad brought us out here, my, myself, my brother, in 1952. He had an electrical contracting business back there, and he hated the cold, so he moved to Arizona, and uh, that's how we ended up in Tucson in 1952. But kind of interesting, uh, interesting to me anyway. I can remember when I was in Ohio, I, third grade class particularly, I can remember we used to sing songs, and We'd sing songs about home, home on the range and that. And I can sit, remember just as well now as then sitting in class dreaming about being a cowboy, living out on the range and, and riding the range and horses and cattle. And 
I mean, at that point, I never thought it would happen, but things things are strange how things work together and do happen. And so, so I didn't come from an agricultural background, but I got into agricultural basically when I went to Amphitheater High School. I got into vocational agriculture and future farmers of America, and uh, that became a real driving time for me that I really got involved in all kinds of programs that were going on in the, both in the classes and the school. I had a terrific, terrific teacher, and I think that makes everybody start. If you have somebody that's been a mentor to you, that's really was, was good and good, and his name was William Hendricks, Bill Hendricks. He was our vocational agricultural teacher, and he's pretty well the one that designed my future for me because he, he spent a lot of time with me, helping me getting involved with livestock. We had livestock projects, farming projects, and uh, I just developed a r- real love for it after being there and that. So so when I got out of high so school... So real quick, before, before I lose yeah. it, though, I think you had a farm in high school that you rented as part of your SAE experience. Is that right, on River Road yeah. in Tucson there? Yeah, it was, it was just a... It was, we had six acres that we irrigated and, and raised some grass and feed and we bought a few steers and and uh and raised them on there and that was the beginning of my losing of cat and cattle business. <laughs> yeah. so so and also just again before i forget yeah. you you were you were pretty successful in ffa you you were well, a state officer is that right yeah, i made it up in my senior year in high school i was a state arizona state ffa officer and uh one of the first to come from amphi right uh Second. Second, but Second. I mean, that's pretty pretty big deal. Yeah, right. But, got to, you know, it was a great program. I got to, you know, we got summer trips back to Pennsylvania to see farming districts and, and uh, Illinois and Washington, D.C. and that. So it was a great program. Still is a great program. So I, I give it a lot of credit to, like I say, my former teacher, Bill Hendricks, and, and that program to where I'm at now. I, no telling where I'd be now if it hadn't been for that. Right. You also had some success in public speaking, if I remember right. Yeah, I uh, won, the, won the region or our district three years in a row, and I never could get, went to the state three times, but I never could get past second place. So yeah. I, Is it the same person that beat you every time? or No, no. no that, <laughs> I beat myself. <laughs> beat myself by not being good enough, so... But that was great experience in that. So, and uh, we had a uh, part of that experience. My my, boag teacher was running for running for uh, representatives from Arizona for, and he was running against uh, a Morris, Stuart Morris, or well, I forget once one of the Morrises. They were real famous, and I can remember we'd be out on our field trips and so forth, and we'd stop and we'd be pounding. Uh, election signs up on telephone poles, and, and that. so we got a little. I got into politics at that time too, a little bit. So that was interesting. But but after I, I was I was real fortunate. I I received a four year scholarship from the Salt River Valley Water Users Organization, and that was a tremendous you know honor to receive that. But like a, like a dummy, I went one year and. I decided I was too smart for college. I just wasted my time in college, so I dropped out of that. And I, and to be truthful, I've never been sorry that I that I, done, that I did drop out because things worked out good for me. If I 
I don't know where I'd been if I stayed in college, but I know where I went. I know which direction I went when I dropped out of college, and I've been very happy with what I've done. And to kind of put it in perspective is that I tell everybody, and Dean gets tired of hearing me say it, nobody likes getting old, but I've lived during a time that was great experiences, great times, and I talked to a lot of people my own age, my own age, and they said we couldn't have lived in better times because <clears throat> it was times that we were able to do things and accomplish things that we'd never have the opportunity to do, do now. So for that, for that reason, I guess it's each person has to live during their times. And my time was a great time. So after that first year of college, did you go to work for Mr. Thurber at that point? Was that who you went to work for or who did you go to work for uh, then? Yeah, that was, uh, I got a, uh, Mr. Thurber, I don't probably know most people not a, familiar with him, but he had a tremendous registered Hereford outfit, and he was president of the American Hereford Association at one time and had a tremendous set of Hereford cattle. <clears throat> and I bought a steer from him when I was in my last year of high school, and, and so I got acquainted with him that way, and uh, I just, that steer made me even more in love with cattle, so I decided, well, I'll go visit with him and see if uh, a buddy and I went out and see if he'd hire us. And he, he was he was very very nice. He said, "I can take one of you on, but I can't take both of you on." I was the one that went on, and my my buddy decided he didn't want to, so it worked out that way. But uh, I was very that so that that really was my first experience into ranching. I'd never been on a ranch, working on a ranch or really a cattle outfit up until that point. And, uh, and that was a Singing Valley Ranch just no, north of Snowdon? No, it was Thurber Hereford Ranch. Thurber Hereford, registered Hereford. Okay, but that's where the, Singen Valley on came Greaterville later. Road. Yeah, Singing Valley came later. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, it was on Greater, Greaterville Road. Uh, it was about a 200 and, 250 cal registered outfit. And tremendous setup. I, 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 you had to go in a long ways to see the, the kind of setup that he'd had, the facilities and everything. But anyway, I was felt very fortunate that he was, took me on as a green person, a greenhorn, and and uh, let me make make enough mistakes there to screw things up for him for a while, and yeah. and I learned more and got better acquainted with ranching and fell more in love with the cattle, more in love with ranching. And there was one particular guy that was a ranch manager. There, his name was Tom McClellan. And I'll never forget him. He. He was uh, came from a long, long line of uh, registered cattle people, and he kind of took me under his arm and helped me learn what I didn't know and helped me learn what I should know. So I was very appreciative of him what he done for me. But I once uh, <clears throat> they was had their first production sale, and uh, and uh, I, I stayed on through that for about six months, and then I decided to go back to Tucson. And my idea was I was going to go back to school, but then that fell through the floor again. And my dad was an electric electrician in the electrical union, and he got me into electrical apprenticeship program and uh, decided to work for about a year at that. And uh, I was out on a, on a hot summer day working with a shovel, digging a ditch for a line and that, and I got to think to myself, what am I doing here? This isn't what I want to do the rest of my life. I'm getting out of here, so... That's the turning point where I turned around and went back to the ranch and uh, never came back to town after that point. So, But uh, after, after I'd done that, I, went, I, I was 
lucky enough or dumb enough that I borrowed enough money from the bank that I went back to the Thurber Ranch and bought a little bunch of Hereford cows and a really nice bunch of Hereford cows and uh, took, took, I rented a little farm next to the University of Arizona farm, irrigated farm, but I was just, just didn't have enough knowledge or enough funds to survive, so I'd lasted at that about a year and a half, and I had to sell them. But during that time, I got to be acquainted with a program at the, registered program at the University of Arizona, and that was Dr. Bruce Taylor was ahead of it at that time. Carney Marks was a head of the cattle there at the farm, and we got to be good friends, and he hired me on, and I got to work with the registered Hereford cattle and Angus cattle there at the farm for about a year and uh, learned a lot from that point because they were very they were very well known at that point. First time I got to go out on the show circuit, we took cattle to the Arizona National Livestock Show, so that was my first experience getting out in the show show circuit and that kind of drove a, a love of show circuits in me, fairs. I guess I just loved it after that point on, but Anyway, when I was uh, at the University of Arizona, we had summer field days, and we was having a field day that summer, and some people with the name of Bill Baff, Bill and Ellie Bafford from Nogales came up, and uh, they had a registered Angus outfit in, in Nogales. I didn't know him prior to that, but we got to visiting and got along real good while we was visiting, and he offered me a... Uh, a ranch manager job or ranch foreman's job down at his place in Nogales. So I decided that's what I'd try. So I quit the university and, and went down and worked for them. And I kind of lost track. I probably was there two, two and a half, three years. Very nice people. They took me in like family and, and treated me very well, housed me, fed me three times a day, and gave me pretty well let me do what I wanted to with the cattle. And we done real good with them. We, Started showing the cattle and done fairly good with them. Billy tells me you had to collect a lot of eggs during that time, too. You had to help well, with the chicken that, deal, too. That, that's that's one part of my brain that I keep wanting to fade away, but it yeah, won't yeah. go away. But yeah, he had a chicken farm, a chicken laying operation, several thousand head. And once a year, he'd go home, go through and call out his hens. And I can remember it. We'd have to be out there at 3 o'clock in the morning. The chicken truck would be there to pick up the, the called hens and... Here we are, arm flow for three or four hours, carrying out hands full of chicken, stuffing them into cages right. <laughs> and chicken pens. But uh, that was about as much as I got involved in the chicken operation, thank goodness. Yeah. But uh, Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but no, that was, right. I know Billy had said that. that um, yeah, they, they were very good to me. They treated me very well. They treated me like family. I'm still good friends with one of their sons, Bill, Bill Bafford uh, Jr., and of course they're... One of their sons is famous, Bob Bafford, the horse trainer. I can remember him when I was down there. He was only about 10 or 11 years old, and I can remember his dad getting him up on the horses, uh, his horses that he built. Bill Sr. had a lot of race horses or some race horses, and Bill was, uh, Bob, Bob was his jockey at that time, <laughs> his, his horse trainer. So I can remember him very young going back there. But anyway, I, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to meet my future bride, Lupita, and uh, we got married, and uh, well, wasn't wasn't making enough money to be a married man, so I decided to quit, 
I went back one more time. My dad got me back in the apprenticeship program. Same old story. I still took it out for a little while and decided there, no, we're leaving. So I went down and saw Mr. Thurber again. And he was putting together a show herd for, I guess that would have been the fall of 67 because Lupita and I got married in 67. And I went down with this, and he was putting together a show herd for the Arizona National that, that December. And he had somebody there that was fitting the cattle, but he really needed help bad. I'll never forget forget the name, Lloyd Gully. Remember him, Loopy? Lloyd Gully, he was the one that was getting those show cattle together for him. And uh, he needed somebody to help him, so he, uh, Mr. Thurber hired us to up and help him during that show and that was an experience in itself poor Lupus, she'd never been out of out of any place you know and and uh, we borrowed my dad's camping trailer and went up there and she was stuck in this poor little camping trailer for about a week couldn't get out ran out of propane didn't have any <laughs> propane to cook with <laughs> and uh but uh so that that got us in a little deep and after, after we'd done the show deal he asked me to if I wanted to come down, his ranch manager, Mr. Thurber's ranch manager had quit. So he'd asked me if I wanted to come down and go to work for him. And I jumped at that chance. And that, that was a great experience. I was only about 22 years old, maybe at that point, 23, something like that. And he pretty well put me in manager of the whole outfit. He let me uh, run the cow herd. He let me run the show cattle. He let me run the, the sale cattle. Of course, he was still the boss. He still had the final words. But he was—he was, if I remember right, he was pretty meticulous about the way he oh, wanted boy, stuff done. Oh boy. And exactly. Like that's the, where the raking I, and stuff. I think you tell me. And I think that's where I got off good with him because I was always very meticulous about stuff that I'd done also, and and uh, so it was very good. And and so that gave me a, my real big opportunity to be able to run a ranch, run run a cow herd, run the show cattle, run sale cattle, the whole works. It really gave me a, a eye-opening experience. And, uh, and we had a very eye-opening experience because we had to, you had to be willing to work because if you worked for Thurber, you either worked or you was out of there. And mm. You had one day off a month, if I remember had, right. We had one day a month off, and that was, our day off started after chores, and that was usually 9.30 in the morning. We had to be back for evening chores at <laughs> 5 o'clock, so that was our one day a week. <laughs> Not a week, one day a month off. Oh. But I, I didn't mind it, and I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I, I loved what I was doing. But I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, about a year and a half, two years into working for him, he sold out, and he sold to some people out of Pennsylvania, name of Bill and Penny Porter, very nice people, very, very nice people. But he was not a rancher. He'd never been on a ranch, never been in the West. He had a concrete and cement, sand and gravel plant back in Pennsylvania, and I guess he sold it for pretty good money. So he wanted to get into ranching deals, so he came out and bought the Thurber outfit, bought, bought the ranch, and then he bought the cow herd. So basically everything stayed the same, stayed, stayed intact. Kept, kept me, you on as ranch kept manager. Kept me on as ranch manager. Very good, very good, uh, very good people treated us very good. In fact, I think, was it Scott? It was my godfather, Scott and Emmy. Is that right? My godparents. Uh, you, you'd have to ask your mom. Was both of them? Yeah, they were. They were your, yeah. your godparents. Well, they must th- thought a lot of you, or you know, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, they treated us real good. Yeah, yeah, they treated us real good. They, uh, your mom had an experience with them. She. 
done some house cleaning and helping Penny Porter down there, and you weren't very old. She had a playpen that she kept you in when she went down there, and you kept disappearing. You get out of the playpen, you go out there, and you were gone. <laughs> and she, and pretty soon she'd go back, and you'd be back in the playpen. Mm. And she didn't know what the heck was going on here. Yeah. She finally found that you had a hold of that playpen. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't figure how to get out, but you figured you had better get back into it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she had some experience that way. But uh, unfortunately, we had a, had a daughter that, that we lost her. She was just three months old while we was there, and we lost her, and... That's something that we've never forgotten, never will get over, but those things happened. But uh, we got got a lot of experience with, with, with the porters because we really started getting out on the road with livestock shows and cattle sales and stuff like that. And we'd, we'd go to, we went, we were off to uh, one of the shows we went, it was Las Vegas. They used to have an international cattleman's sale and show, and we went there one year and we had Champion Hereford Champion. Reserve champion, champion, reserve champion, Hereford Bull. We went to Reno Bull Sale two, three years in a row, and we had reserve champion bull at that sale, the show. Went to Albuquerque several times, Arizona Nationals, Prescott, uh, Roswell Sale, and, uh, of course, that time there was a Wilcox Bull Sale and that. So we was I got a lot of experience being out on the road with show cattle and sale cattle, and I, that that I really loved. I don't know why, but it was hard work. But I really loved being out in the show, out in the road with the cattle. But uh, you you did. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you talked about um, sometimes going on that circuit on trains with those show cattle. Would that have been with Thurber? Yeah, that would have been. No, the, we didn't. We fr- didn't go on train, but to just show you the difference in times, how times have changed. Nobody had goosenecks back there. They mm-hmm. were either. Bobtail or a rack in your pickup truck or something. Mm-hmm. A few bob, t- a few t- tractor trailers, not very many. But uh, one of the things that uh, we didn't, because we didn't travel that much, but the big show herds that traveled the country, they traveled in the trains, boxcars. They'd rent boxcars and then get hauled into the city where they get a show in boxcars. And then at that, then they'd send some trailers over to haul them the train over to, over to, uh, the show over to where the shows were, but my my first experience seeing that was at the Arizona National because there was a couple big outfits at that time that were main outfits in the country. One was Merlanda, Merlanda Farms out of Virginia, and Indian Mound out of uh, out of Indiana, and they both came in on trains, and that was quite an experience seeing that happen, but. I guess the ones that traveled in a train didn't think it was so exper- much of an experience because it was cold and miserable. Right. So cold and miserable and smoky. But that's how times has changed. Now everything's called in semi-trailers or tractors or trailers or something like that. But most of the hauling we done was in Bobtail until Mr. Porter came and then he bought a gooseneck and that's how we started hauling. Our cattle was in gooseneck at that time too. How, ma- how many would you haul like to that Reno deal or to Las Vegas? Or- uh, the, like like the Reno deal we'd had there was two deals. There was a there was a range bull sale and show. There was a show and, the range, and then a range bull sale. And then they had a s- separate one which is uh, the herd bull sale and that was held that was quite a deal. They held that and, and Johnny Esquadas The gold, Nugget, right? Golden yeah. Nugget yeah. Casino. Right up there on the show stage, they'd bring all them bulls, and there was like twenty of them bulls, maybe that'd be uh, herd bull sales, and that 
put on a real elaborate deal. They'd get some entertainers in there and all sorts of stuff. But we'd haul, most ranchers would haul, that went there, haul maybe one bull for the herd bull sale and one for the heifer sale, and then two or three bulls for the range bull sale. We never done real good in the herd bull sale. We, you know, we always gained good money at it and so forth. But we done good at the range bull sale. We usually sold good there, and that's where we had the reserve champion at that. And that was quite an honor to win that reserve champion there. But you, you had some luck at Kansas City one year too. Didn't yeah, you? but that, that? That, that's that's getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Unless you want to cut me off. No, here. no, no, no. I'm talking too I'm, much. No, go ahead. Cut no, me I'm off. enjoying this. this is, I'm just, I'm just trying to remember some of the I'm things that to, I remember. I'm trying to remember about. some of the things. I, but going back, uh, going back to the porters there, uh, they kept the ranch five years, and like I said, that was a great experience. We got out. Did they uh, show under Porter's name? Uh, they or was put it? Her under. That's where the Singing Valley that you okay. were bringing up. They changed the whole deal to Singing Valley Hereford. Okay. And that's what was showed under at that time was Singing Valley Hereford and. And you were just a little guy. I still remember that. I had a lot of fun with you. Had a little tractor and a hay wagon and that. We'd have a lot of cattle. We'd have to hay in the mornings and make our rounds. And mom would bundle you up in a sweater, then a jacket, and then another jacket, and a neck scarf around your neck, <laughs> a big cap. And you were couldn't walk. Yeah. But, <laughs> but she kept you warm. Yeah. Well, and, I have a long history of trying to get out of work. so that's, yeah. that's <laughs> But I'd load you on that tractor and trailer me, and you, we'd go around, and you'd help me put out feet. You weren't very old. What? Couldn't have been over two or three, no? No. Two or three. But uh, we had a lot of had a lot of fun with that. And I'd take you down to the barn sometimes, and you'd be down there helping me and getting into it. And I think that's where you started getting some experience into it, too, also, yeah. I believe. Is, right? I got you out early and made you work. Yeah. Well, I, I, and not this is the story isn't about me, but I'll tell you that you know, just like you know, you talked about that passion and stuff. I mean, I can, I can never remember a time where I didn't crave being around cows and horses and yeah. being around the cowboy lifestyle. And so that's a credit to you and mom for doing yeah, that. Well, so you know, anyway, it's that's you know, some people do and some people don't. You know, yeah. it's, and it's just like me, I had the craving for, it and I guess that passed on to you too. You know. And, You've done a tremendous job at it, but I don't want to give you yeah. too much credit. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I this is about you. Yeah, so let's get back. To, let's get back to Singing Valley <laughs> and, and Porter. Any, so. Anyway, that uh, Porter's decided uh, it was a foolish mistake for him, but everybody makes mistakes. We had a bad drought that last year that he owned. Or he owned it five years, and he traded off for another ranch in California. But he was really disappointed because of the drought and the, and I had to buy a lot of feed and all of that. And, and I won't say what outfit done it, but an outfit had a, a really nice ranch up in the high country in the Sierras in California. And they took him over there in the summer, and it just loaded with grass, beautiful. And uh, they talked him and persuaded him to trade that ranch for the Singing Valley Ranch. They took the Singing Valley Ranch, and he took that ranch. And uh, that was kind of his downfall because they shipped all of the cows off the Singing Valley up to that California ranch. And as bad luck would be, bad luck, his first winter up there, a tremendous cold winter, snow got down to 45 degrees below zero. Lost a lot of them cattle that weren't used to that, <coughs> used to that, that weather, and the house didn't have any heating in it and that. So they really suffered that first year, and they bailed out of that and came back to uh, Arizona a year or two later. But... That was maybe a 
good turning point for me, maybe. I think maybe it was a good turning point for me when he sold the ranch. Not for him, but for me. Because uh, Mr. Thurber had offered when I had, uh, when he sold the ranch, he said uh, he had three sons that were real involved in agriculture, too. One was uh, Bud Thurber down in uh, Texas. They had a, he was a manager and owner, part owner of a big commercial, registered Hereford Ranch, uh, Bridwell, I think it was Bidwell, Bridwell Hereford Ranch. And he offered to take me on down in Texas. Uh, and then his oldest son, Harold Thurber, was big manager of, what's the name of that? I can't, probably won't be able to name it, the name of the ranch, a big ranch in California. I can't think of the name of it right now. But he offered to take me over there. But I loved that Thurber ranch so much, I decided I'd stay there. So I stayed with Porter. And uh, when Porter sold, I knew that things were kind of going to come to screeching halt there at that outfit. And uh, the people who bought it was Pruitt Ray Cattle Company, which I imagine a lot of the cattle people are familiar with that outfit now. They're not that far back. But they had me, kept me on as manager at the, at the old Singing Valley Ranch. And and uh, Jack Davenport was a very good person. I, I think a lot of people will remember Jack Davenport, a very good cattleman. He was a manager of Hershey Hereford Ranch, Hereford, registered Herefords. And uh, got got to be good friends, and he uh, made me feel really good because he, he at that point Pruitt Ray also bought the Buenos Aires Ranch, which is over at Sasby, hundred and some thousand acre ranch. They turned that into the registered Hereford registered Brangus Ranch, and uh, he said, Ron, he said I need somebody with experience. He he became manager over there. He said, Ron, I need somebody with experience to come over here and help with this ranch. So I grabbed at that, moved over there. And it got to be quite a, maybe a little more experience than what I wanted it to be, but I lived through it and learned a lot from it because what he'd done, he put me, he was a general manager and he put me in the manager of the Hereford cow herd. So I had that, a few hundred head of cow, Hereford cow herds. He put me in charge of uh, AI and the Hereford cows and AI and the Brangus cows, which is a lot of cows with Brangus. AI at that time put me in charge of raising and, and uh, feeding and caring for the, all the sale bulls, both the Hereford and the Angus, not Brangus, Brangus. And then on top of that, the Hereford show cattle. So I had a pretty good hands full, but I was young enough I could handle it. And it was a great You'd have been early 30s at that point, right? Mm, been 74, yeah, yeah, 75? No, yeah, I'd have been about. 30, 32, 30, yeah, 32, 31, 32, yeah. yeah. So uh, I got my hands real wet that, in that, that, that job there. You know, then there again, I got, got, to, got to do a lot of roading with the, with the cattle. And uh, one, one year that was my best experience, well, we went, to, we went to Reno, we went to Albuquerque, we went to Arizona National, but my biggest year is we decided that they had a bull that was real popular and was, thought they was going to make some big money off him a Hereford Bowl, so they wanted to get him out on the show circuit, so we got fitted a bunch of cattle and and, uh, and started out. We decided we'd go to Cal Palace in, in San Francisco, and then from there we'd go straight across the country to the Kansas City. The American Royal. American Royal mm-hmm. Kansas City show there. And it was a good, good thing we'd done because we'd done real well. 
And the worst experience was that they, we had to have a semi-tractor trailer because we was hauling like 20 head of cattle plus all the feed. And, and there was another guy, I, nicest young guy. He must have only been 18 or 19. And I'm, for love of me, I never learned his first or last name, but everybody called him the Fonz hmm. because, of the, I don't know, they just picked it up from the happy right, days right. of the Fonz. Hard worker. So him and I were two of us out on the road by ourselves. But neither one of us had drove a tractor trailer before. And I said, Jack, we've never drove a tractor trailer. How are we going to get across the country? <laughs> so I just take it out and drive the road, drive it up the road a couple times, and, and you'll be all right. So that's what we done. So we loaded them up and headed for San Francisco. And we got about halfway to San Francisco. And to show you how well we learned how to drive it, we dropped a transmission. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't catch hell or nothing for it. But he said, well, grab some money to haul you on haul the cattle the rest of the way up to San Francisco for you, and we'll get that tractor trailer fixed, get it up to you. So we went up there, and we done real well. We won a bunch of classes and had champion Herford Heifer up there. And uh, so it was real well. So so we loaded, got our got our got our tractor trailer back, and and uh, got it loaded up after the Cal Palace and headed across country. That was about a two day trip across country, and both of us were just tired as could be. So luckily, there was a sleeper, and then one of us asleep, and one of us had tried to stay awake, tried to stay awake. Uh-huh. But uh, we uh, got the tractor trailer back and. And uh, we were scared to death what was going to happen because we had a bed of down and straw, right. and it was kind of an open top tractor trailer that was hauling the cattle. And at night, you could see the sparks flying, the sparks flying. I said, God, man, if that straw catches on fire. <laughs> so we finally got it figured out after quite a while that we had got a new battery, put new batteries put in Tucson, and they hadn't tightened the cables down and they were sparking out there so we're lucky on that deal we didn't get in a disaster on that one well we finally got into kansas city and unloaded there and uh cold with snowed that night so but we was in luckily it was inside but we done real well there we had uh we had champion female at that show also same heifer different different heifer different heifer that was, and that was, and then I won't say, well, I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> I had the heifer that, that, that fitted, well, I fitted all of them, but the one that was champion at, uh, at uh, Cal Palace, I thought, she, I thought I had her really looking nice. Yeah. Jack walked into Kansas, Kansas City and said, we got to do some more trimming on that heifer. <laughs> so he hired a professional to do it, and it was an Angus. Angus guy, and he trimmed it like an Angus, and Angus and Hereford, he didn't trim them the same back no. then. So we got in the show ring, and he said, well, I'll show this champion heifer. And he says, we'll get her up there, champ. And I, we had a big line of heifers. She was a yearling, long yearling heifer. And look back there, and there Jack was. <laughs> back, back of that. <laughs> Here I was up in the front with the other heifer. Right. <laughs> that made me feel pretty good. But I was disappointed that he trimmed on it when he did. But anyway. He anyway, was the boss. So you got to do what the boss says, yeah, probably. Yeah. We, we, we had it. The bull that most of our cattle out of were seventy two two sixty nine. It was mm-hmm. a line one bull, out of uh, out of the the Mile City herd, right? Yeah, Mile City out of out of Montana. And he was producing tremendous calves and very popular. And, and uh, we had a one. We had junior. We had a junior calf, a spring calf, junior calf. No, we didn't have a junior. We had a 
had a junior calf, winter winter calf and a senior calf right in the row there. And Jack said, I don't really want to take this junior bull out because he's not going to do no good. So he said, you take him on out. So huh. I took him out and he took first. Yeah. <laughs> so he came up with the winner. He said, I said, well, you're going to take the now. I said, you're on, you're on a roll. You take him on out. So took him out and got one that class. Then I went in the senior class and, uh, and uh, won that class. And that was the end of the, the sh showing in, in the classes because all we had was young cattle. Huh. So we done really good there. And then they had a herd bull sale, a real high-class herd bull sale. And we had one bull in there, one young bull that we had entered. And we took him to the herd bull sale and he tallied up $40,000 on that sale. Wow. So that was a tremendous amount of money at that point mm. in time. So that was that, that made me feel good. Put yeah. a feather in my hat to get that. Did any of those um, young bulls get a chance at champion or reserve? Uh, Overall, well, they they got you know they were showed, but they didn't get up because they're the older they're bulls. Young, yeah. I mean, we were showing against the top herds in the country back there, right. you know. So they just weren't old enough or big enough to right. compete against it. So, so anyway, so anyway, we headed home. We was out in the road a whole month that time. From the time we left and got back, we was back a whole month and got into Oklahoma and there again a couple of desert rats we got into a blizzard you couldn't get up and down the road any any place so luckily we was able to get into a in a, a truck stop a little old truck stop we was uh, got off the highway anyway and couldn't get the cattle off the off the trailer and they they sent us out in a chintzy trailer it didn't have a top or anything on it so we couldn't get them off so them here them poor cattle all we could do was just leave them tied in the trailer and that but they survived it. They survived it. We survived and got back home. And, and uh, got back home, and we no sooner got home, Jack said, well, I got another trip for you. And they sent us over to New Mexico with a uh, load of sailboats, and uh, just your mom went with me. And uh, and you went with me. And uh, you, you slept in the sleeper most of the right, time. Yeah. You didn't do any driving. You <laughs> didn't do any work either, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I got to backstep something. Yeah. I got to go way back. I, I hope you don't mind me. Back yeah, please. Back yeah, that's why we're here. Your mom was so great when we moved to the Thurber Hereford Ranch. I mean, she had never lived on a ranch before. She'd never been out in them situations before. And uh, she went out. We we was working. The first time we took the we took the show cattle to Tucson. Uh, we hired another guy to help me. And for some reason, he getting an argument. I went and got a load of cattle, and then I was going back to get another load. And and uh, some reason, the guy got in an argument, with Mr. Thurber, and he quit. So we got there, and I, there all I was, all I was, all these cattle. Nobody had helped me. And your mom, and I looked at your mom. I said, "Mom, can you help me?" Look, we take and she jumped right in the hill. Here she was, hauling water buckets, feed buckets, pitching manure out. She'd never done that at any time before, but she was in there just like a hand doing it. And uh, she was really done. It uh, made me proud, and and uh, and uh, made me feel good that she'd done that. But when I got home, she said, "You know," she said, "Something wasn't right there." I said, "Here I was hauling the water and the feed and pitching manure, and you was over there talking all the time." <laughs> she says, "I'm not going out no more." Yeah. <laughs> I rode by I rode by road help right, right. there. <laughs> but, uh, she was great, but she were she went through some boy some tough times at that. When we was at the ranch there, we had heated with wood part of the time, and I'd be up at 
five four four thirty five o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't get back until five, eight o'clock at night. And poor mom would get needing wood, and she'd be out there chopping wood with an axe to haul wood in the heat with. So she went through some tough times. She she deserves more credit than I do for where we got to. But anyway, I stayed on at the Pruitt Ray Cattle Company for four years till seventy eight, and I decided to. Uh, it's, it's too much. I'm not going to keep this up. So I was lucky to got a got an opportunity to get a job here in Nogales at uh, a ranch that belonged to Paula and Cabot Sedgwick. So I grabbed onto that, and uh, it was just a small commercial outfit, about 100, 120 cows. But I also, at the same time, had an opportunity to uh, rent some property in uh, Sonoida, some from people that I'd known from the times that I'd worked up there. So we bought about, when we left the Pruitt Rays there, we bought about 10 head of Hereford Hereford cows, and we brought them to Sonoida and uh, worked there, done our work there in, in Nogales and done our cow herd in Sonoida, and that's where our, our registered herd started from from that point on. So that was kind of a whole change of our life at that, at that point. And at uh, that point, there was your mom, myself, you, and then your younger brother, younger brother Tom. So we all moved to the ranch down there. Mm-hmm. Pardon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not Danny. Danny came along yet. After a while, he did. Danny came along later, but uh, so we kind we kind of that was kind of the end of my roading. I I I'd fit cattle to take to Arizona Nationals and <clears throat> and and the Tucson and the bull sales, Prescott bull sale and the Wilcox bull sale and Marana bull sale, Tucson bull sale at that time. So so uh, that that was. Uh, as far as fitting and, and doing, but I kept on, kept on messing with cattle like that until, until the kind of the bottom dropped out of the Herefords here. You know, that been probably in the eighties or nineties or nineties, yeah. maybe the early nineties. Nineties yeah. kind of was when that peso devalued. That lost a lot of your Mexican yeah, market. I sold, if that's I right, I sold a lot of cattle in Mexico. A lot of cattle in Mexico. I had a real good person named Ted Wingfield, Wingfield Cattle Company, and he bought and sold cattle out of. Mexico and and uh, he helped me sell a lot of bulls down there, so that, that was a big help. But uh, one one thing I wanted to ask you about was the Arizona Hereford Association. You were president of that, right? Um, were you one of the ones that started that first bull sales that the Arizona Hereford Association did? No, no. I, I, I and mean, to be perfectly frankly, my mind, my mind is not not a very good mind, and I can remember going back as far as. Uh, your mother and I hauled cattle up to the Prescott Bull Sale from the Thurber Ranch in a bobtail. But I don't know whether that was one of the first sales or not. I can't tell you to be truthful. Oh. But by the time, then when Thurber dropped out, then we kept on going up with porters. <coughs> but I think it was more like uh, uh, we didn't have much, that much involvement in getting the Prescott Bull Sale started other than taking cattle. but. I think that was more uh, Larry Stark and Gene, Gene uh, Larry, yeah, Larry Stark, Gene Sparks, and mm-hmm. and uh, Delbert Pierce, and those people were more the ones that really got in and got got the Hereford bull sale going. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, some of the big names at that time would have been Las Vegas Ranch with Larry, right? Yeah, and yeah. Hooper Hereford to the Rob Hooper, and right. Yeah, in fact, I go back to back to <clears throat> when uh, when I was at Singing Valley Ranch, we. 
we started having a bull sale. We had two bull sales before I bailed out. And at that time, there was a few bull sales around the state. There was our Singing Valley. There was Bixby's, which it, you right. told me I was very sorry to hear about Steve Bixby passing on. And then there was Hooper Sale, 26 mm -hmm. Bar Sale. I can't, mm -hmm. probably some other, but I can't remember right offhand. But there was quite a, quite a bit of competition in bull sales at that time. Right. What was Gene Sparks' involvement in the Hereford business? How was, uh, how was he involved? Gene and Larry, there's a kind of, not to tell their story, because maybe you'll tell their story. When they was in high school in Phoenix, Delbert Pierce had a farm, which is registered outfit. And mm -hmm. They used to go on their bicycles and love to see the herds. Mm -hmm. They got to be friends with Larry, or Delbert Pierce, but neither one of them got into the cattle business out of school. But on down the line, they did decided they wanted to get involved in the cattle business. So uh, Larry got a job with Delbert Pierce, and Gene Sparks didn't get a job with anybody. But they they partnered. They bought some cows and partnered on a ranch which they called Warbonnet down right. at Wilcox. And, and uh, Jack Davenport, they hired him off of Pruitt Ray to manage down there. But that that was probably Gene's biggest experience in the cattle deal, but he was always involved in it, you know, was some way or another, Arizona Nationals or the shows and that, he always helping out. So he was a great person, yeah. done a lot. To, he started that feed store in Sonoida and did a lot of other stuff. Feed store in Sonoida, yeah. right, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. He was with Arizona Milling at that time for a long time. Right. So, But uh, I don't know, I guess I backtracked enough on that stuff, that I, the stuff that I can remember on that stuff. But anyway, we... It was just been a great experience here in Nogales with uh, the Sedgwick family. They treated us very well, took good care of us, and uh, took care of their ranch. And in the meantime, it gave us an opportunity to build up our Hereford herd. And uh, when uh, I guess we was here, when did decide? Thirty, how many years? Thirty-four. Thirty-five. I thirty-five think, yeah. year. Thirty-five years. We came here. Came here in seventy-eight, and. Your manager till 2013. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that time, uh, Dean had had uh, availability to uh, take over the Santa Fe Ranch as manager, so we bowed out and let him have the work for a change. Yeah. <laughs> and so we kept on uh, raising our cow herd, our Herford cow herd. We got up to pretty good numbers. We was up to close to a couple hundred head of cows, but... Things got bad in the Hereford business, like most registered Hereford breeders will remember. Angus hurt, hurt us pretty hard, hit us pretty hard. Popularity. The Angus, Angus Association was out in front, really, promoting their cattle, and, I, and the Herefords were behind on that. So I started using Angus bulls, and I eventually got almost all of my cattle switched over to blacks, which was all right. They, Brought me more money than what the Herefords were, and that and you got to do what you got to do when you're in the, in the cattle business. And uh, so we done it that way up until this point. And what was it? 2013. Hmm. I sold a big hunk of it out to Dean, and he's been he's been uh, running the Santa Fe Ranch since then, and he's been he took over some of the properties I've had, and uh, he's my competition. Yeah. Well, we work together too. I mean, well, uh, when I work, I work. <laughs> <laughs> I work. Yeah, I got to yeah. give you credit. Yeah. You work too. You're working your tail off. But uh, so that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, that's how. That's the route that we got to get here. And I tell you, 
met a lot of nice people, a lot of good people, a lot of people who were good to us. We wouldn't be where we are now without all the help and help and that people gave us along the line, you know. I, I think one of those people would have been Cabbage Cedric. I think yeah. he was a tremendous, tremendous, again, from my recollection yeah. as a kid right. growing up there, but was just a big personality, you know, and really loved cows. Right. And so if I remember right, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like every spring he'd go to that National Cattleman's yeah. deal, yeah. and he'd, and then about six weeks later, two bulls of a certain breed would show <laughs> yeah. up. You know, I yeah. remember Beefmaster, I remember Simitals, I remember Solaires, I remember Brahmas. Bur- First one was the Belgian Blues. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, tell tell our listeners a little bit about that Belgian Blue experience. I mean, I know I remember what I remember, but yeah, you probably well, have a better recollection. I, than I, I do. remember the bad part. I don't know if there was any good part to them, but <laughs> there were there two was, Holstein recips that showed up, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, we uh, Belgian Blues for some reason they were very muscular, very big, put on a lot of weight. They became very popular at that time. And, he loved to grab on, Mr. Sedgwick loved to grab on the stuff right out in front. So he was back there at the Cattle Growers Association, and they bought two Belgian blues, had them shipped out here, and, and uh, recipient cows, and, and uh, we lost the calves. I don't know whether we lost the cows or not, but we lost the, rec- the calves out of them recips because they were monsters. Well, the, the second one, if I remember, we took cesarean. The first yeah. one we lost, the second one we took cesarean, yeah. and he lived about six or eight months, but he was so straight because oh, yeah, he was so double-muscled. Double-muscled, yeah. He, just, yeah, that, he couldn't even walk. Yeah, that was the trouble. Andy Brown, that was the trouble with Bone Blue. They were double-muscled, and everybody was looking and them double muscle by thought, boy, that's the way to go. They well, that muscle. was the lean meat, lean meat craze, yeah. right? You know that you lean had meat. to have no fat. Yeah, lean meat, more, more meat, more muscle on it. You know, so but that, it was a disaster. So, mm-hmm. them bulls didn't stay around the ranch very long. They they disappeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think one of the things again, you know, and I, this just for our listeners realize that I'm biased because you're my dad, but um, I think one of the things that I've admired about you is you've kind of always been in front, you know, learning the AI with their Pruitt Ray and doing the embryo transfer stuff. And I remember we did some embryo transfer stuff with our Hereford cows and, you know, trying trying some of the different things. Yeah. But, but I think that one of the things with the Santa Fe ranch herd um, that I'm certainly grateful that, you know, when I purchased that, you know, that herd and got to manage that, that, that deal was that, um, I think you were in front of the carcass trends with the Angus, and I think you somehow convinced Mr. Sedgwick, you know, not to go and buy two of the Pensgauer or whatever kind of new yeah. breed belted Galloway, whatever he wanted to buy, but you convinced him to kind of get on board with the carcass thing and really, really did a lot of good for that cow herd by focusing on that Angus deal. Right. So even though they were competition in the Hereford deal, um, I think you saw that that was oh, where it needed to go. Yeah, definitely. I mean... And you, that, you showed up real quick when you hauled cattle to the auction. <laughs> you see the blacks bringing 10, 15 cents more a pound than what you heard. Not that they were any better. It's just the time and the fad and so forth. And, and, the, and the Angus Association getting out in front and promoting them cattle like they did. Because, you know, a lot of them cattle that went through there that claim were Angus, weren't, they may have been quarter Angus or something, but they were black. So that, as long as they were black, that made a difference. But... But Mr. Mr. Thur, or not Mr. Mr. Cedric, Kevin Cedric, he didn't like Herefords at all. And, but so I, when he went there, I persuaded him to buy a couple Herefords, you know. Went on. He 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 lived with it. He didn't like it, but he lived with it. <laughs> but uh, when the times came and and I had to make the switch, he had a big smile on his face when I told him we have to get Angus cattle. Right. <laughs> Angus bull. Yeah, he had a big smile on his face. Yeah. So, so real good. But. Uh, 
you know, talking about that, you know, I, I like, I told you and I tell a lot of people, you know, uh, nobody likes getting old. I don't like getting old, but it's a matter of life. If you live long enough, you get old. So that's the way it is. But I'm, I'm very, 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 very thankful that I lived and worked and was in the cattle business during the times that I, that I was because I enjoyed the way we worked cattle back there. I mean, there's a difference in the way cattle was worked now and the way cattle are worked mm-hmm. then. And I'm not saying it was any better back then, but to me, <clears throat> the way way we worked cattle back then was was more more enjoyable, more agreeable because back then it was all it, money counted, but it was the cattle. Mm-hmm. It was the cattle that you were you were proud of. It was the cattle that that you spent your time with the cattle. And money counted, but you know, if you made a living, that was great. But now it seems like it's all turned the other way. People like their cattle, but, and I guess it has to be that way, but it's that bottom line is what counts, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't think I could, uh, I would enjoy working cattle that way anymore. So I'm very, very happy that I got to live during them times and got to do the things that I got to do because I know that if I tried to do it now, it would be impossible for me to do it. Yeah. So, so, so that goes back to stockmanship, you know, and I think you've been recognized, you know, as a cattleman of the year and, you know, the range manager of the year. And those two things really have to go yeah. together to, to be a good manager and to be a good stockman. Um, you know, I guess one of the things that people comment about and I, I take I get too much credit for it is is how gentle and how easy yeah. those cattle are to handle. And that's one of the things I think that that yeah. you showed me, I think. One of the things when we AI'd those Hereford cows, you know, one of my jobs was to bring, you know, check heats yeah. and help to bring those cows up. And right. if we got them out of a trot, we were in big trouble. Yeah. I mean, to bring those cows up by yeah. themselves to, right. to breed them and stuff. And I think that's important. Yeah. Um, and I and I, I'm lucky enough I get to do some of the stockmanship, yeah. and I've been able to kind of come yeah. back around. And I've I've certainly made mistakes in my my deal trying to work too fast or work too oh yeah you know, we all do we all do we so. still do even we we say this is the way it got to be done we don't always do it that way either but mm-hmm. but you know back back then you know different was <clears throat> you know people could make a living off of, of 150 200 head of cows you know mm-hmm. and take care of their cow and then have time to spend with the cow now if you have 200 cows you're going to starve to death so mm-hmm. it's, it's numbers 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 now mm-hmm. you know and you don't have the time to spend with them like you used to have you know i guess one one of the other questions i wanted to ask you and you know again most of our listeners are going to be out in arid west and and so forth but um and we've talked about this off off of this deal but um if you could design your ideal cow what what does your ideal cow look like for southern arizona one that can uh, that can eat rocks and sand and survive (laughs) no the idea cow I, i don't know it's it's one one you don't you don't want to. I think I've gotten my cows too big. I, you know, I, we need to, cows were a lot more moderate when I was around. You know, nine hundred thousand pound cow, thousand fifty pound cow <clears throat> was good, good size, and they done good. They survived good. They stayed in good condition. And I think we've went too far as far as the ranchers part of it. Maybe not the packer side of it, but the ranchers side of it. I think we've went too big. And it takes too much country, too much feed to support that cow. And you're probably not getting that much more, more of a calf out of that big cow than what you would out of the modern. So you need one, you know, that's able to get out and travel, take care of itself, and live off what you got, you know, not have to be 
bringing in tons of feed to keep them alive. So. Yeah, it seems to me that I think we underestimate how big those cows are as ranchers. You know, and I'm putting on my rancher yeah. hat now. But, you know, I think, you know, if you ask me, I'd say my average cow size is 1150 when it's, in fact, probably 1250. Yeah. You know, and so I think I underestimate that quite a bit. And I think you're you're right on there. And there's a lot of research, you know. I, I, I can read, so I do read in the Livestock Magazine. And there's a lot of <clears throat> research been done on the last two, three years showing how much more uh, the moderate cows, how much more they may not bring as, they may not bring as much per cow huh. when you sell them as what the big cow calf does. But numbers wise, you can run a lot more and they're actually bring more money than what you huh. do. A small moderate herd will bring more money than a big large herd of big large cattle. So. Yeah, I think there's some pretty cool research that's coming out now that's that's actually talking about relative right. efficiencies of cows. So yeah. you could have 2,000 pound cows and one of those cows is going to eat 20 pounds, and one's going to eat 30 pounds and maintain the same condition. There's some yeah. genetic predispositions there. Yeah. No, and I'm, and I'm not knocking, you know, times change and technologies. I'm not a technology person, but I understand that times change, and you got to change with the times. And all this stuff that's been, all the research and all that's being done now, I'm sure it's good. It'll be benefit for the future, but it's... Uh, I'm glad I wasn't around when I was around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think it takes away. You know, I, I know for myself, speaking about technology, I've got a little computer in my hand all day, yeah. you know, that little that phone, and it takes away from me being able to work on my horsemanship or work on paying attention to cows or work on paying attention to what's growing and stuff like yeah. that. And so I think that's a big distraction yeah. that, that my generation and the ones that follow yeah. me need to get rid of and focus back on those basic things that... Yeah. Like you talked yeah, about, well, you know, and, and the enjoyment to it too. You know, I don't. When I talk about that, I, I, that, I that wouldn't be enjoyment to me. The kind of work that I done with the cattle was hard work, but it was enjoyment. I enjoyed everything I was doing. You know, it's kind of it's kind of nice to be able to go out there and scratch your herd bulls back, you yeah, know, and yeah. stuff like that. But now you don't have time for stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's time to keep it. But I'd like, you know, I just I think what I'd like to do here right now is is just. Kind of recognize some people that yeah please yeah that would be good then put in category put it in my mind also but probably or my mom and dad were great supporters of us my dad used to get pissed as hell when I'd come in and say dad can you sign for another loan for me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't want to do it but he'd uh-huh. do it you know uh-huh. but I always got to pay them my mom and dad he'd come out dad had come out and Put in a lot, even though he wasn't a rancher, he'd come out and help me equipment and stuff like that. We still have some of those feeders he built. Still got some of them feeders built. Of course, my wife, Lupita, she's number one. She's number one. We'd never got here without her. But going back, my mom and dad, and then my, my one that probably really got me started off was like the same with Bill Hendricks, my VOAG teacher. He's got me pointed in the right direction. And I kicked myself. I'm such a procrastinator. All these people I say that help me, I always got to go back and visit them and see them. And by the time I go to see them, they're in their coffin, you know. And I just always, I don't know why I've been that way, but I do appreciate these people. But he was no, he was, he was one. And then I, I guess I'd go to Mr. Thurber, taking a greenhorn, letting me bring him on the ranch, fed me, you know, they housed me, fed me three times a day, and and broke me into it. So he's one of Probably got me into really, really involved in the cattle business, plus his manager, Tom McClellan. And then I'd go from there, I'd go to, 
uh, well, Bruce Taylor, but I really didn't have that much contact. But Carney Marks at the University of Arizona. Yeah. Carney's still around, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But he he was a really really knowledgeable person and uh, gave me a lot of experience also and gave me an opportunity to work with some good cattle also. And then I'd go down, I guess the next ones would be uh, Bill and Ellie Baffert, yeah. uh, Angus cattle. Uh, let me expand my knowledge and experience that much more. Might let me take me on down there and work with the, even though they were Angus. And not, you had to learn a whole different way to clip, right? And yeah. Sit. yeah. <laughs> But he had good cattle, so it, was, it wasn't like going in and yeah, that horrible cattle, but he had good cattle, so it was a good experience. So they, they treated me very well also. And then I guess I'd go back, back again, I guess I'd go back to Mr. Thurber again, taking me back on and, and letting me have the opportunity to run that operation. And then uh, from that point, the Porters, Bill and Penny Porter were very good. Five years we was them, they gave me a lot more experience grew a little more and got to do a lot more. And then from that point, I'd go to, uh, oh, I guess, and I missed a person, uh, which is, is a sad point here right now with uh, Wayne Pruitt, with Pruitt Ray Cattle Company. You know, got, got, me, got me involved with the company. He just passed on, right? Yeah. Sad to say he passed on. But then from that point, Jack Davenport, the Buenos Aires Ranch, and uh, gave, gave me the free range to do a lot of stuff there. And a lot of, got to work with a lot of people there. A lot, there was a lot of people working there, so I got to work with a lot of people there. Different, different knowledges and different personalities. A lot of people from Mexico, and that was a great experience. Uh, most of them cowboys were from Mexico. What a difference the cowboys they were compared to some of the cowboys that were up here. Yeah, thinking about like Imaterio and Lily yeah, and like a lot of those real, guys. Really, yeah. really cowboys. Just genuine, yeah. Really cowboys. That was a great experience. But all of them guys are gone now, too. But, and I guess from that point, then back over to where we are now at uh, North River Road, the, the Sedgwick's and, uh, and uh, Cabot and Paula Sedgwick. And after they both passed on, their son... Uh, Tony said it's been, it was real kind to me also. So there's probably some people I missed along the line, but I did. I'm sorry I missed them. But. Yeah. Well, and, and Tony and you, and, and I'm digressing again, but Tony and you created the Santa Fe Ranch Foundation. And, and I guess yeah. that, that's kind of cool because neither of you knew how to create a foundation. No. And you both had different visions and coming from completely different backgrounds. But, yeah. but um what what you created and what you guys started was was pretty special. And I'll give my mom a little credit right now. Um, that um, the the therapy programs that we do for the developmentally disabled people, I mean that's one of the most powerful things we do down there. And that all started, you know, with my mom, you know, and and you know, getting her friends out there to bring those clients out there and spending time. And so anyway, but a, you know, not to no, digress, but no, but a pretty pretty big no, deal to get that thing going and get it yeah, rolling. Yeah, and no, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that that was a, and that that would have made Cabot and Paula habit because they didn't ever want to see the. It was all private land. They never wanted to see it developed and going into houses and that. So, uh, Sedgwick's uh, children and knowledge that that factor and were willing to tie their land up into foundation. So that was good. And, one of the good things about Tony and me, we didn't know really what we was doing, but had to spend so much money our first year. 
And we went to accountant and he said, well, we're going to start this foundation, so what do we do? He said, first year, spend, 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 spend. Right. So it didn't make That's it so easier hard. to do, yeah. It was easier to make the foundation. Well, that was, that was a contrast to previous management, yeah. if I may say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, yeah. I just, it, you know, that was, you're coming from a pretty tight run economic deal yeah. to now having free reign to kind of put your vision in there. Yeah, and there's a lot of people. I could sit here all night and recognize people. There was a guy that I worked with at Thurber Ranch and, uh, and then the Porters, Jose Urquides, really good cowboy. And I mean, if I hadn't had green, green, Greenhorn like I was, if I hadn't had him there helping me, I'd have probably went bust. But, you know, there's just people like that that really helped me along the way, you know, yeah. so... So again, I'm digressing with another name, but um, Bill Piper yeah. was a pretty pretty important guy in my life growing up. You know, as a 4-H leader and kind of just would be at auctions and kind of all kinds of stuff. But he was at he was at Thurber's there for a while too, if I remember right. Yeah. And then yeah. he went to Elgin Hereford Ranch, right. which was a competitor. Yeah, Is a competitor. Right? Never got to when when Bill was there and I was at 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 uh, Thurber, and we never got to really. Real, real, real good. Friend. Well, now I shouldn't say friends, but we didn't get to get be real good acquaintances because when Piper left Thurber, they kind of left on bad terms, and so I was with, working with Thurber, and he was with that right. about that. So yeah. we, you know, we we visited with each other and talked, but never got to be real good friends. Yeah, later in life, yes, yeah, yeah he was a great person. He was yeah. a great. Bill Piper was a good person, done a lot for the cattle cattle business also. So I guess you know, I think we're kind of close to wrapping this up, and I, I really, really appreciate your time um, you know, spent with us. And we, we don't know what we're doing with this, with this podcast or, or however this is going to get distributed, but we think it's important to kind of preserve some of these stories and kind of get some different perspectives. And so, well, again, thanks for spending some well, time with us. And on the other side, thank you for doing it, you know, because most people go through life, accomplish stuff, accomplish a lot, and really never get any recognition for it, yeah. knowledge for it. You know, and I'll, I'll lay in bed and and night sometimes. My mind regresses back to the old days, done this, done that. And I said, you know, nobody knows I've done this. Nobody yeah. did it. I wish they yeah. would, you know. Well, if you'll forgive the language, I mean, you've been, you've been a badass your entire life. And, <laughs> and to be able to, you know, I mean, I can't imagine trying to get a loan and buying that little set of cows from Thurber's without knowing what I was doing yeah. and how to make it work. And, well, that, and there's a lot of... That, a lot of chances that you had to take. Yeah, to, well, that, that's the way. A lot of ways you learn is by from your mistakes, you know. And if you're when, if you're able to straighten up your mistakes and move on, that's that's usually the good. But if you make a mistake and you fall flat in your face, can't get up, then that's a bad situation. Yeah. But well, I, I guess I, you know, and again, I just want to say I'm really thankful that yeah, I grew up with you and mom and and teaching me the value of that hard work because I think truly if 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 someone knows how to work, they'll never go hungry. They'll you'll figure oh, yeah, out how to sure, sure. how to, how to know, make I'm, something work. I was never one day without a job. If I if I left one job, I already had another job before I left. Yeah. I never never had to take unemployment or anything. So I'm proud of that. Yeah. But I'd like to recognize my family. Of course, Lupita, fifty three years putting up with me. Can you put up with me another fifty three? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> For those of you who couldn't hear that, that was a no. <laughs> <laughs> no more but I, like I say I give her 99% of the credit because without her backing it wouldn't have all happened 
Then, of course, my oldest son, Dean, who's mon- what is it, moderator? Uh, hosting or whatever, yeah. co-hosting, I don't know, whatever. Operating this little doodad here. Yeah. And then uh, my middle then then our, our sad part of our life, our daughter came along after Dean, Cindy. We only had her three three months before we lost her, and that's, of course, that's sad the rest of your life, but she's still she's, even though she's been gone, she's still part of the family. And then uh, Tom came along later, our, our, uh, be our third child, mm-hmm. second son, and uh, he 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 was a big help on the ranch. He never had the big love for the cattle. I don't believe like Dean did, but he you know he he helped on the ranch whether he wanted to or not. Right. <laughs> but but he's been through some hard times, and he's 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 done real well, and we're proud of him also. And then uh, our young, youngest son is, uh, well, I shouldn't say Tom's been through so much. One has been through the North Times, our youngest son, Daniel. I think a lot of you probably know Daniel from running around here and there, but he's, uh, he, he's helped on the ranch also. So we're, we're proud of our family. We're proud of, we're proud of our grandchildren, proud of the two Dean's two uh, children, Laurel and Garrett, and, uh, and Tom's killed children, uh, Bailey and, and Alex, so we're, we're, we're proud of our family. Yeah. We're proud of our sons. Oh, that's an important legacy. We're proud of our sons. So I guess, I guess my final question, and, and I'm putting you on the spot here to think about this, but um, if you had to go back to an 18-year-old Ron Fish and give him some advice, what would you tell him now with the benefit of hindsight of... Knowing what's happening. No, yeah, no, I mean, don't, just... Don't, you know, don't, don't do a thing different. Yeah. Do what your heart tells you to do. Do what it tells your mind to do. I mean, I felt bad, and I still feel bad that they were honored me with a four-year scholarship, and I blew the first year away. But the third, next three, I didn't blow away because I turned it back in. That'd be my only thing. But then I stopped and think: if I would have went my four years of college, I would have had a completely different lifestyle. And I'm not sure it's the lifestyle that I would have wanted. So yeah. I wouldn't do a thing different than I did. Did before. Oh, that's good. I'd even marry the same woman. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to ask her that same question. No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So anyway, well, thank thank you for spending some time with us today. Really appreciate your time and your stories and, and your insight, and it's good to have that history, and um, we're going to keep plugging on. So signing off for Western Ag Voices, this is Dean Fish. Catch us um, on our platform. Take care.